This is the Becker's Healthcare Podcast, created by the team of Becker's Healthcare, a multimedia company devoted to the people who power U.S. healthcare. Four new 15-minute episodes are released daily, containing industry news, analysis, and thought leadership from powerful healthcare decision makers. Support our show by leaving it a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or other platforms you use. It's a chance to tell us what you like about the show and act on your feedback. Thanks for listening. Now here's the episode. This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. It's thrilled today to be joined by a brilliant leader. We're joined today by Dr. Jan Carney. Jan is an Associate Dean for Public Health and Health Policy and Professor of Medicine at the Warner College of Medicine at the University of Vermont. Uh, she also serves as the Master's of Public Health Program Director. We're going to talk to Dr. Carney today about both her career and also the biggest focuses of programs of public health today, National Public Health Programs, and, and so forth. Dr. Carney, can you take a moment to, to both introduce yourself and, and tell us how you ended up sort of in this role of doctor, that, then running a great master's in public health program? Talk to us a little bit about how that all came to be in, in your career. Okay, thanks. Thanks very much, and it's it's my great pleasure to be here today. The I'm I'm my background is I'm a physician, and I went to medical school, went through my residency. I'm trained in internal medicine as an internal medicine specialist, and then I ended up going to a conference where I learned that there were there was actually a whole body of science and knowledge about how to prevent many of the diseases I was seeing in the patients that I was seeing who are seriously ill from consequences of tobacco use or um, not having an adequate and healthy diet. And one thing led to another. I ended up going to public health school and getting a master's degree in public health. And then when I came back, I looked for opportunities to use that knowledge of preventive medicine and and the work I was doing. I ended up as Vermont's health commissioner within a short period of time. I worked for three governors here for a total of nearly 14 years. And I've been here at the University of Vermont, Lorna College of Medicine for the past 20 years. And, and we, with some wonderful colleagues, created the Master of Public Health program, a number of graduate public health programs, 100% online, and in order to help meet the, the health needs of people here, uh, the training of physicians and health professionals and people coming directly into public health to contribute to our workforce. Fantastic. And talk about the programs, Masters in Public Health today, what are the changing subjects? What are the most important subjects? Where's the focus today in the curriculum? All the programs that are nationally accredited through the Council on Education for Public Health have to have a variety of key components to train people at a master's level to be adequately prepared to deal with the health issues out in our world and our communities, depending on your your focus. And those are things like the math, epidemiology, and biostatistics, which started in the days of actually before cholera and counting and has evolved into some very important data science that we use not only just in public health, but in, in connecting to healthcare and research that can help us learn more about how we actually have the knowledge to improve people's health 
It also includes about the environment and the important factors in our environment that influence people's health and climate change would be the biggest example of that. Um, also includes our health systems and health services administration or health policy management, it might be called, and how we leverage those connections with healthcare, again, to improve people's health. And then the final one would be social and behavioral factors that, that influence public health. And those are things like whether or not we use tobacco. Right now, a huge issue nationally is opioid addiction and are the quality of our, our health habits, whether we have access to sufficient food and healthy food, whether we're physically active and those kinds of things. So a public health education at the master's level is very broad and includes all those different things that students have to learn. And what that does if you from that general education is prepare you for different roles. If you're in nursing or medicine, you might have a role in population health at your health system. If you are working at a state or local or county health department, you'll be prepared to take on different functions in that community where they're needed. And anything from assessing the health of your community to giving health education advice to investigating disease outbreaks. And since the pandemic, more people understand what an infectious disease epidemiologist does and from a national perspective, how important it is to both gather and monitor and share that data with people so that they can take steps to improve their own health. Thank you. When you look at 2024, and there's been so many things going on in the world, you, you mentioned climate change, people talk about health equity, they talk about the profit and losses of health systems, uh, we talk about opioids for sure, behavioral health epidemic, we talk about other potential pandemics, uh, you know, COVID and things we didn't expect to happen to us the last few years. What are you most focused on and most excited about for 2024? Where's the big focus? Is it recruiting faculty? Is it recruiting students? Is it making sure the curriculum is fantastic? What's the big focus? And what are you excited about as you get into this next year? I think I think all of the above. I mean, in some of the context is we're very focused on health equity, and that's really, really challenging. And everyone having the same equal and just opportunity to be healthy, very, very hard. The importance of place, where you live has a tremendous influence on your health outcomes. And that's health is determined by zip code, probably more than by your genetic code. Um, all the social factors that determine our health and whether people have sufficient food to eat. Uh, housing has been a huge issue. The economic and employment issues in our communities have been have been very, very challenging to people. And I, I would say something that we're looking at is also and trying and trying to figure out strategies to teach our students so that that they can, carry this into the communities is that epidemic of, of misinformation. And the flip side of that is how do we collectively, whether you're working directly in healthcare one-on-one -on -one with patients or out in communities or government or non-government organizations, how do we teach people where to find high quality health information that will help them and their families and their friends to 
make decisions to improve their own health. So I would say that that ways we can counter misinformation, both on an individual and collective basis, would be something that we're working very hard on right now. When people talk about information, this seems to me such a challenge. I can't tell you the amount of conversations we hear of where somebody's developing an app or, or some kind of you know, business around, you know, we're going to have the right information. There's so much bad information out there. Uh, and, and when everybody, anybody ever tells me they're going to provide the right information and there's so much misinformation out there, particularly whether from a for-profit or not-for-profit, I'm, I'm always a little skeptical. But how do you actually get about helping people discern what's real, what's not, what's thought out, what's not thought out, what's not politically biased one way or the other, what's not, what is politically biased? How do you sort of, how do you get there? Because it seems like in a world where we're so intent on free speech, there is so much speech out there about every subject, some of it's true, some of it's false, and so forth. How, how do we manage that, or how do we teach people to, you know, to try and discern what's a real source, what's not a real source? I, I think it's that what you just said. I think it's teaching people the skills. And so where might you go to learn those skills? And there's some, I think, very important uh, websites from the National Library of Medicine of the National Institutes of Health. It's called Medline Plus. People can Google it. And when you when you come to that page, it has lists of health topics, and it's all based on high-quality information, scientific information, um, and not misinformation. There's a medical encyclopedia about different kinds of diseases, symptoms, tests, and treatments. There's information about medical tests that people might have in a, in a healthcare setting, and then different medications that they might be prescribed, as well as supplements and what we know and don't know. Um, all of these things, I think that's a great place to start. And so I, I, I suggest that people explore that website. And on there, there's, there's a few little, pla little places that you can go, and they give you some examples of things and skills that you can, can build. Another one from the National Institutes of Health, and I have the highest confidence in the National Institutes of Health and National Library of Medicine information. There has been a project called Trust It or Trash It, which is how do you tell, how do you discriminate against good, against bad information in a context of there's a sea of information out there. What do I choose? And so very simply, it's who said it? So what do we know about the person giving the information? If you just see someone's opinion on a social media site, should you necessarily believe it? Well, who is the person? What are the credentials? You have to kind of ask those questions. When did they say it? Is this something, is the information current? And if we can't find that out, uh, that should raise some questions. And then most importantly, how did they know? What did they base that opinion on? So for anything related to health or healthcare or public health, I suggest that all of our fund of knowledge that we use is based on scientific research and informed practice, meaning that what we do or uh, the kinds of, of strategies you use on an individual or population level to improve people's health are based on a foundation of high quality evidence and science. So how did they know? 
So can you can you see some rationale for that? So those are the, the first simple principles, but the idea here is that people start to, to not just accept whatever information is in front of them, they start to ask some of these, these key questions and then start to use some of the resources that that we know are, are trusted. Thank you very, very much. It, Dr. Carney, what a pleasure to visit with you. Uh, brilliant leadership, what a brilliant career. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thank you very, very much. You're very welcome. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks. To help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's Healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there. Mm -hmm.